Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. What are the components of a covenant? See, the thing is this, we know how many of you have been listening that we have the blessings of God on our lives. But it's time to let the blessings that are on our lives manifest in our lives, and that only comes by putting a demand on it. If I don't know what my rights are, I cannot demand and decree that they be fulfilled. If I get pulled over by a police officer and I don't know the law, I'm, I have to do whatever, I'll do whatever he says anyway, respectfully. But let's say he does, let's say there's something that I'm not really supposed to do. When I know my rights, I can say, no, 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 that's not right. My right is, amen, when you know what your rights are, it gives you the authority or the confidence to be able to declare and decree those things that you need to declare and decree in your life, amen? Do we understand what our rights are? That's why I want you to understand what a covenant is, what the components of a covenant is. I'm going to explain what it is, and then I'm going to break down to you what Jesus in the new covenant, what he did, because he gave all these other covenants, and I'm not really going to talk about it. We have a whole Bible school class about it, about eight weeks long. If you want to you want to go take Bible college, you can do that, and you can take the covenants class because it's awesome, and it talks about the covenant. But I'm going to, I'm going to kind of try to make it simple and break it down about eight weeks worth of stuff in about 45 minutes. I believe that we can do it. Amen. So we're talking about that. And if we want to access the benefits of the covenant in our life, we have to have an understanding of one, what it is two, what our rights are within it. And how do we receive the benefits? Amen. So when, when you don't know, we're going to talk about that. So first I'm going to teach you what a covenant is, what a covenant is. We've touched upon it. We've said it. A covenant is simply a binding agreement. A binding agreement. We've talked about the different, you know, things like people make contracts. We live in a contract society. I've said that before. We live in a contract society where people don't like. You want to know, it's kind of funny. My little daughter had signed a contract with an organization. And I called them and I said, you know what? I'm not sure if this is working. They all want. Can we amend the contract and change it? And they said, oh, yeah, we can change the contract. We can rip the contract up and write a new one. That's a contract. We live in a society where we live in a contract world. We don't live in the bounds of covenant anymore. But a covenant is a lasting, permanent agreement regardless of if either party chooses. If I choose, if I enter into covenant with Miss Linda, if I don't choose to do my part, that doesn't mean that the covenant is null and void. It means it's still there. We see that in marriage so often. People treat marriage like it's a contract. Well, I don't like that model. I'm going to go get a new one. And I'm not condemning anyone that has been there, done that. I'm saying that there's a covenant relationship, that that covenant still stands regardless of whether you choose to walk away from it or not. So a covenant is a binding agreement. What you might not know is that the Bible itself, if we look at the Old and the New Testament, there are Hebrew and Greek words that are sometimes translated as, as testament, and there's sometimes it's translated as covenant, the old and new covenant. When we read the Bible and you're reading in the Old Testament, you're reading in an old covenant. When you're reading the New Testament, this is a scholar right here. Am I right? I'm telling the truth, right? I always look at Mr. Derek because he's, I, he's nodding his head. I know I'm doing good because I know he, he's a scholar and he's got this stuff down. But the, it, there's words. It's translated covenant in some places. The Bible is a covenant agreement that God made with man. Um, so covenants in the Bible were made between men and between God and man. 
I'll give you a couple of examples. How many of you remember the story of David? King David, right? David made a covenant relationship with Jonathan, the son of Saul. Now, even after Jonathan was gone, if you go and read in the Old Testament and you read through the life of David, he cared for Saul's grandson. I mean, Jonathan's grandson, right? Why? Because his covenant wasn't just with his friend. It was for the relatives. And he said, anybody that's connected to you, I will care for for the rest of my life because I made a covenant with your daddy. It's never ending. Men made covenants together. Tribes made covenant together. Typically what would happen is when someone was a weaker uh, organization or entity, they would go find a stronger entity and cut a covenant because that meant that they had the protection of the one who was stronger. If you were smart, I've read stories of missionaries and of people who went and cut covenants with the, the head of tribes because they knew they needed the protection that that tribe could offer. It's coming and saying, I'm a part of you now. And it can't be broken regardless of my actions or your actions. We can't break this covenant. There's a whole bunch of covenants. Well, not a whole bunch. There's a few covenants in the Bible. There was the Edenic covenant. I'm not going to bore you with, I'm not saying bore, but you know, like I said, I got a little bit of time and not time to break them down because they're so fascinating. In fact, go take the Bible college. Just tell Miss Roxanne, I just want to take that covenant class and see if she can work out something with you because it's so good. There was a covenant that God made in the garden. After Adam fell, God made a covenant with Adam. God made a covenant with Noah. God made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant. There was the Mosaic covenant. There's all these different Palestinian, Davidic, and finally the new covenant, which is what we're going to hit on tonight. Who originated the covenants? God originated all of them. Every covenant that you see, God is the originator of the covenant, not man. God basically drew up the contract, not contract. He drew up the covenant and he presented them to man. And man can either choose to accept the covenant or reject the covenant, but it doesn't really matter whether he accepts it or rejects it, the covenant remains. These covenants are the greatest show of God's love, mercy, and grace for man. So write this down if you're taking notes. Four things God does when he initiates a covenant. Four things that God does. The very first thing that God does when he initiates a covenant agreement is he establishes the covenant. He presents it to man. He establishes the covenant. And once it's established, the second thing that he does is he keeps it. He keeps the covenant. Once God makes a covenant, he does not forget it, nor does he break it. Now you say he made covenants with these different people. I'm going to explain to you the difference between an eternal covenant and a temporal. There's, there's covenants that God made that were for a specified period of time. That after that period of time was over, the covenant was done because it was set up that way. But there are covenants that are eternal, everlasting from generation to generation to generation and will continue until the end of this world. The third thing that God does is after he keeps the covenant, then he reveals it. He reveals it. He openly declares the promises and terms of the covenant to man. He openly declares the terms of the covenant to man. And then the fourth thing that he does that is so cool, because how many of you know that it isn't possible for us to keep a covenant ourselves? Even if I want to keep my covenant with God, I can't. You know what God does next? He enables me to be able to keep the covenant. 
He enabled you to be able to keep the covenant. He enabled you. So after he established it, keeps it, reveals it, then he enables you to keep it because man himself without God is unable to keep anything. So why do we make a covenant anyway? Why make a covenant? Why do we have a covenant? I like you guys. I like looking out and seeing everybody taking notes. I feel like there's a big Bible class. It is. Tonight is a Bible study, Bible class. But I'm hoping it's going to help you. Why? You provide a binding commitment. Why even make a covenant? To provide a binding commitment because those who enter into the covenant obligate themselves to that relationship for life, which is really more important on God's side than it is on ours. Because it's important to know that regardless of what you and I do, his covenant with me and his covenant with you still stands. When I fail, guess what? His covenant with me remains. When you mess up and when you walk away from him, I walked away from God for a season of my life. I know what it's like to, I was born and raised in the church, but I had a season in my life when I walked away and I chose to walk away. Guess what? Even when I walked away from him, he did not walk away from me. His covenant remained. And he kept bringing people across my path and thoughts across my path. And I had a praying mama, some of you heard this, who prayed on her knees for me every morning at 5 a.m. for seven years until I one day just thought I missed my relationship with God. Why? Because his covenant that he made with me was everlasting. He didn't say you've disqualified yourself. He said, I qualified you in the beginning and your, my covenant that I made with you it stands I said, we don't have a covenant anymore, God. I walked away. He said, you can't break it. You can't bend it. You can't destroy it. You can't get rid of it. You can choose to turn around and walk away, but the minute you turn around like that, the covenant is right back there. God's covenant, he makes that binding agreement. The purpose of God's covenant with man, it's the purpose of it is basically the vehicle of expression of God's will and his purpose for us is found in the covenant. God has a reason for everything he does. We do not understand. That's why it says in the Bible, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And sometimes we get so caught up in trying to figure out why things are and we need to just say, it doesn't matter why they are. I choose to trust you in them. Why? I choose to trust you in the midst. And guess what? I don't understand it, but I don't have to because I trust you. Amen. See, God is a God of order. Even the most chaotic situation. I remember watching this movie a long time ago, several years ago. There was this, actually, first it was a book. It was called The Shack, and I don't want to get into theological things because some people didn't. But there was something that stood out to me that the, in this movie, and it was a story somebody had written, and they did a movie, there was this garden that was being created by the Holy Spirit. And it looked so, it just looked like it was chaos, but when they stepped back, they saw that what looked like chaos was carefully, perfectly orchestrated segments that made up a perfectly organized whole. Sometimes when your life looks like it's out of control, maybe you need to go, hey, God, guess what? I choose to trust that you're working things out for me. God is a careful planner. God was strategic in the way he created the heavens and the earth. He was strategic in the way he created everything. He is strategic in everything he does. So that means that the covenant that he's made with you, there has been careful thought and planning that has gone into that. Before the fall of man, God expressed his purpose in creating man in the form of the covenant. He made a covenant, but Adam broke the covenant. And he interrupted the fulfillment of that covenant. But that didn't stop God. 
See, because then God said, well, that one maybe didn't work because you walked away from it. So let me see. Let me create a new covenant. I'll create a covenant with you in your fallen state. I'm going to create a covenant with, with Noah. When the, when the world was wiped out and Noah was the only one left, God made a covenant with Noah for a specified period of time. He, he said he made a covenant with Abraham that we know is everlasting. He made a covenant with Moses. He made a covenant with David. He made all these covenants. So there was the covenant of creation and covenants of redemption. These different create covenants that he made. So, so what makes up a covenant? I want you to catch this. This is the part, like I said, this is the part to write down. There are three components of any covenant. Three components of every covenant. There's three parts. There's words, there's blood, and there's a seal. In every covenant God made, there's words or promises that are given that are either spoken or written down in a covenant. Uh, there's promises, there's terms, there's possibly an oath that's made in this covenant. The promises would be like, here's what happens if you obey the covenant, blessings. If you don't follow the covenant, the curses. We don't want to talk about that. We want to just hear about the blessings. How many of you want to hear about the curses? I do because I want to make sure I avoid them. How about you? What do I have to do to make sure that, doesn't matter, that I don't get myself tripped up? I've gotten to the point that when something is not working right in my life, I ask God, hey, is there something that I'm doing? Is this something that I'm just walking through or is there something that I'm doing to block what it is you're trying to bring? Sometimes, sometimes you're just walking through something. But sometimes there's a little tiny tweak you can do when you get alone with God. I love Miss B. She used to be our church mama. She still is. Miss B is still our church mama, even though she's, she's in New Jersey. Um, now, she was our church mama for many years. And, and I will never forget that Miss B got a diagnosis from the doctor. And it wasn't a very good diagnosis. And you know what the first thing she did was? She stopped on the way home from the doctor and went to the store and bought some grape juice and some crackers. And she went and took communion and said, God, reveal to me right now if there's something in me that I need to deal with. That's humbling for me. I thought, man, we want to, well, why is this happening? I don't know. How about, hey, God, just reveal if there's something in me. I don't know. She was like Jesus. So I'm not saying she was perfect, but she was pretty close. Um, you know, but, but I mean, I don't know what God told her. I don't remember if she ever told me that. But I will never forget hearing that she went and the first thing she did was go and take communion and get alone with God and say, is there something that I'm messing up in the midst of this covenant that is blocking where I need to have healing? And hey, that was about how many years ago, and she's still alive. So praise Jesus. Apparently it got fixed, amen, even though the doctor's report wasn't good. So there's words or promises. There's natural things and there's spiritual things that happen in this covenant. There are terms. So there's words and promises given. There's terms. Because how many of you know there are conditions to the covenant? God just doesn't go, oh, here, let me just throw some blessing out to you. He does, but there's, there's terms and conditions to any covenant. So that's the conditions under which the promises are fulfilled. Then there's an oath that's taken. A covenant confirmed with an oath is irrevocable. It cannot be changed. It cannot be dismissed. Without an oath, the promises may be subject to change or canceled. In a wedding ceremony, that's what I said. Sometimes in that, when you have a wedding ceremony, you make promises. Your covenant remains even if you choose to break it. The covenant's still there because you didn't just make it with your spouse. You made it with God too. Um, so you look at that. There's an oath without an oath. To break an oath 
all throughout the Bible, what would happen? If somebody broke their oath, curses would come upon them. I'm not saying that to scare you or anything like that. So there's the words or promises. Next, there's blood. There was always the shedding of blood. To have a covenant, there had to be the shedding of blood. It happened back in the very beginning. God put Adam to sleep and opened up his side and took out his rib. I'm not saying that, you know, there was shedding of blood, but I've never cut somebody open, seen anyone cut open and not seen blood be shed. How about you? God opened up man and took out the rib when he made that first covenant with Adam. Covenant was seen as being a life and death commitment, so the ratification of that covenant involves the shedding of blood. And that shedding of blood represented a life commitment. In that shedding of blood, there were three things, three components. There was a sacrifice. There had to be a sacrifice that was made. There had to be a mediator, and there had to be a sanctuary, a place for it. The sacrifice, both the shedding of blood and the death of the body. So when the covenant was made between tribes or things like that, they might sacrifice like a goat or anything. You see, like when God did it with, when God made the covenant with himself, what did, when uh, he put Abraham to sleep, what did he do? There was like birds and you can go read all of, I think, like pretty much the first five books of the Bible and you'll hear all about some covenants and what they did. There was a mediator. There had to be someone who oversaw the ratification of the covenant, like or a high priest is how it's also put. And there was a sanctuary. There had to be a place that that, sanctu- that that covenant was cut, a sanctuary, a holy place. And then the third component is a seal. There was always a seal. Somebody might take their ring off and give their ring to the other person or a staff. They would get something was exchanged to seal and say that this covenant is completed. It was a tangible witness of the covenant. In a marriage ceremony, the seal is the ring. It is a constant reminder, a symbol of the covenant that has been made. So there's a seal. And it would always be a constant reminder of both the promises and the terms. See, The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is always involved in every one of the commandments, covenants that God made with man. Why? The Word was Father God, the originator of the covenant. Then came the blood, the Son of Jesus, who was sanctified by his blood on the cross. Because before the foundation of the world, he was. So his blood was shed before the foundation of the world. And then the Holy Spirit who is referred to as the seal, the fulfiller of the covenant. Pastor Chris has that book, The Champion Within. If you haven't, you need to get that book. You need to understand the Holy Spirit is the one who seals the covenant. He's the one that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, that's why you got to pray in the Holy Ghost every day. Why? Because when you pray in the Holy Spirit, what you're doing is you're stirring up your spirit man to recognize and bring to your remembrance the things in the covenant that maybe you have forgotten. He gives you the Holy Spirit. Now, in covenants, there were, there were different durations. There was divine covenants were either everlasting or temporal. There might have been some temporal. There were some temporal ones. You know, the Mosaic covenant, you know, the law when Moses came down from the mountain and he had the Ten Commandments. Well, you know that when Jesus came on the cross, I've heard it said like this, anything that you find in the Old Testament, run it through the cross. And if the cross hasn't changed it, keep it the same. But there are things. What did Jesus say? He said that the law said... Do not, do not commit adultery, but if the new covenant says if you look upon a woman with lust, it's worse than actually fulfilling the act, right? So, so that Mosaic covenant was for a set period of time. 
But I want to talk to you tonight about an everlasting and eternal covenant. One where God obligates himself to fulfill the promises regardless of man's response. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you really briefly how your relationship is established, how your covenant relationship is established, and it's first and foremost because both parties, when you enter into an agreement, you better both have an understanding of what's going to be involved in that agreement. When I married my husband, he told me he did not do housework. He did. He does do housework. Thank you, honey, if you're watching. I appreciate it. He does do housework, but he told me he did not do housework. That's what he told me. How many of you know I had a very clear understanding of that, but, I mean, I wanted to marry him so bad. I was like, oh, I don't, you don't ever have to do the housework. How I many know about two years later, I was like, can you please vacuum the floor? But you want to know what? I knew what I was getting into before I entered into the covenant agreement. It was spelled out very clearly for me. Amen. I can't get mad at him. To this day, I thought of it the other day. He was helping me. He was doing a lot of cleaning. We were cleaning up the house, and he was, like, doing a whole bunch of cleaning. And I thought, man, that's so nice. And I thought, you know what? He told me from the very beginning he didn't do that. So anything he does is just a bonus. Because at first I was like, well, we're equal partners. I work. He works. And I said, wait a second. He told me the deal before I even met. Get under this thing. It's kind of lighthearted, but it's true. Both parties have to have an understanding of how you establish that relationship. So the first thing that you see is that, that God invited man to be a part of the covenant. He invited you. He, he invited you. It says in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God called you and he invited you into this place of covenant with him. And God offered a covenant to whoever he pleased. He, he offered it to anybody that he pleased. So first you're called, you enter into a covenant agreement by calling. So how many of you would say and agree with that scripture that you are called according to his purpose? Just wave your hand at me. So we've already established that we're called. He's called you into a covenant, amen? The next thing you have to do, though, is you can call all day long, but you have to choose to enter into it. You have to enter it. Man has to enter into the covenant. He said in Deuteronomy 29, verse 1, I'm just going to read it to you. He said, these are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. And if you skip to verse 12, it says, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath. God said, here is a covenant, and they had to decide, do I want to enter into it or not? Everyone wants to enter into it when you hear the benefits, but guess what? Sometimes there's more to it than that. Think very carefully before you choose to enter into that covenant. I stand up here every week and invite people to come to know Jesus and ask him into their hearts. And maybe I need to really say, hey, you know what? This is an awesome decision, but you need to know that there's some things that you need to change too. So you enter. Man has to enter into the covenant. And then... After you enter in, you have to make the decision to commit yourself fully to it. To commit yourself fully to it. I think about Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 that says, And by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham was called, 
Abraham chose to enter in, and Abraham was so committed that he had no idea where he was going to go. We, we read these stories. We go, that's like telling you, hey, guess what? Um, Derek, I want you to pack up your family right now, and I want you to leave and go to an unknown land, which I have not told you. We all go, oh, yeah, we'd do that. I don't really know if I would. I'm just being honest. I'm grateful that Pastor Chris is the pastor of this church today because there was a lady who was so committed to the call of God in her life when the Holy Spirit spoke through the voice of her daughter and said, Mommy, we need to go to Florida, that she didn't ask any questions. She got in a car and drove two and a half, three days and came down and met him and his mom, my mother-in-law, in the living room, and he gave his life to Christ that day in a radical transformation that how many of you know that if she hadn't been committed, we might not all be here today. It's good to know there are people that committed. Because like I said, if, if Gigi was crying in the room telling me we had to go to Michigan, I would probably say, um, go back to sleep, my love. Why are we doing that, right? So you have to fully commit, fully commit to the covenant. So first, remember that you, there's a calling. You have to enter into it. You have to, yes, you enter into it, and then you have to keep it. You have to keep the terms of the covenant. There's a reason that in the word of God, in the Old Testament, he said, keep these words before your eyes. Bind them into your heart. The Jewish people, they would keep the words of the Torah around their neck. They would keep it in, in them. Why? Because they wanted to make sure that they kept the word. Are we that conscious of the word of God in our lives that we are so committed to keeping his word that it is first and foremost in everything we think or we do? We have to constantly remember it. God does it. God remembers God constantly does. Psalm 111 verse 5 says he has given food to those who fear him and he will ever be mindful of his covenant. Lest you find yourself in a situation where it doesn't seem like it's working out for you, you can write this verse down and know that he will ever be mindful of his covenant towards you. Even when you don't hear him, even when you don't see it, even when you don't believe it, he will be ever mindful. But the thing is, even though he is mindful, it is our responsibility to continue to be mindful as well. Psalm 103, 17 and 18 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. How many think that's a good promise? But there's a word after that that says, To such as keep his covenant. See, it doesn't just say, I'm going to pour out blessings upon you. He said, yes, I, my covenant with you is going to be to your children's children, but it's going to be to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. How do we do that? Easy. How'd you get saved? Faith and obedience to his word, right? That's it. One, you got to believe, and then you got to be obedient to do. We talked about we talked about Abraham, right? What did he do? He heard, he believed what God said, and he did. See, these people in the Bible, these are not just stories that we tell our kids. I'm so grateful for the word of God that's been in my heart for so many years. Those Bible stories, but you want to know what? Those Bible stories come alive in a new way for me, even as an adult, when I realize these were not just great stories, but these are people who took hold of the word of God and that were obedient to do even the hard things and even obedient to do even whenever they didn't want to. How about Jesus? Pastor Chris talked about that Sunday morning, how he cut a covenant with God in the garden. 
He didn't say, I won't do it. He said, if there's any other way, please, I don't want to, but I choose to. Some of us can't even walk across the street to go tell somebody something that he told us to tell them. Trying to figure out what I want to do here. Give me. So after you have this, then I want to talk about, oh, we already talked about the seal. Sorry, my pages are messed up. I want to talk to you really quick for this last little bit of time about the new covenant. You understand how a covenant is made, how we enter into a covenant. You got to know this stuff. Because we can talk covenant all day long, but if you don't, how do you, you, so if you get, if you remember nothing else, remember that you have to be called into it, which you already are. We established that. You have to choose to enter into it, and then you have to commit to it, to keep it. So the new covenant, see, God made all these other covenants, but the main covenant that he kind of made, I think way back in the beginning when man fell, he made the covenant already. The new covenant, he already had the plan of Jesus. It just took some time to come to pass. But Jesus made a new covenant immediately prior to his death with the 12 apostles. And those 12 apostles represented Israel and the church. In the Old Testament covenants, there was this cycle that would happen with God. If you read through the Old Testament, you know what? All of you just go to Bible school. I'm just going to tell you, go to the Bible college. Because guess what? There's books about the Old Testament and the New Testament and the minor prophets and the major prophets. And if you read through those, you see there was this never-ending cycle where God would make a covenant with his people. And what would happen? There was this probation period of fulfilling the covenant, and then the people would fail to fulfill the covenant. And then judgment came because of the failure, and then they had to start all over. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. Now, I was talking to someone the other day, and I said, you know, the children of Israel in the desert. See, sometimes we have reasons why we fail to keep the covenant. We get tired of the waiting. I said, they weren't supposed to move until the cloud moved, those children of Israel. What happened when the cloud didn't move? They were sitting still for a long time, and guess what? They started getting in their heads, then their heads started talking to their mouth. Their spirit was overridden by their mouth, and they never saw the fulfillment of the promise of what God promised them. There was this never-ending cycle that happened, and you can read all about it in, in Jeremiah, and you can read about it in, in all of those prophets. But when Jesus came, see, Jesus was the perfect covenant. He came, born of a virgin, the seed of a woman, the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the seed of David. He was a seed of every single person who had gone before him. He was the originator of the covenant, but he was the seed of the covenants that came before him. But before they were, he was. And he made that covenant with God. He came to bring redemption from sin to the nation of Israel. Not just the nation of Israel. He came to bring it to all nations. To all of us. He came to reveal God as a father. He came to fulfill. and He was this, both this. I love this. He was both the fulfillment and the fulfiller of all the covenants that came before him. You get that? He was not only the fulfillment of the promises, he was the one that fulfilled it. Romans 15, verse 8 and 9 says, Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. He came not only to be the fulfillment, he was the one who provided the fulfiller. He was the fulfiller of them. See, when Jesus showed up, the Mosaic covenant was still around. 
one bound by law. And those leaders had twisted it and, and they hated Jesus. Why? Because he represented a purity that wasn't found in the law. Jesus was above the law. He kept the law. He was a sinless man. But he wasn't bound by the law and they couldn't stand it because they had perverted and twisted the covenant. The covenant wasn't meant to be, by, to, to, to be restricting. It was meant to be freeing. But they bound it up. They'd become proud of their position and who they were because of, of the Abrahamic covenant. And they were these, these people. They were characterized by what? Hypocrisy and arrogance and lack of spiritual perception. They rejected Jesus' miracles, his teaching, and his person. And after they crucified him, they came to the end of this probation time. And in 70 AD, after the destruction of Jerusalem, they were scattered. And they became a people under covenantal judgment. See, there's no hope for any of us outside the bounds of the covenant. There's not. Look at the world around us now. Look at, look, at, look at where we are. I look at some of these laws that are being passed and these things, and it's so disgraceful and so sinful. And you look at it and go, this is so far outside the realm. And all I can do is say, you know what, God, I'm going to do my part to keep my covenant with you and bring as many people into it as I can. I, 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 I hate the things I see, but I cannot do anything about the things I see except for pray and be obedient to God's word when I do it. There were words of this new covenant that you have to catch here and you have to get. The new covenant, when Jesus came and provided a covenant with us, he gave us promises. He gave us blessings. Here were the blessings that were associated. One, salvation. But salvation doesn't just mean going to heaven. We know that salvation means everything else that we need. It means safety and security and preservation and deliverance and wholeness. It doesn't just mean we go to heaven one day. It means that we live whole here on earth. It means that we have peace that passes all understanding. It means that we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. It means that we have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts on every occasion. It means that we have true prosperity. People go, don't talk about prosperity. I will talk about prosperity all day, every day. The best definition of prosperity I've ever heard is that you can lay your head on your pillow at night and go to sleep well knowing that you have not need of anything. Guess what? He promised that to you. I was having problems sleeping for a little while. This past year, the enemy tried to attack my mind. I would wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning, and I finally got to the place I said, this is ridiculous. I I'm not going to be woken up anymore, so guess what I did? I've told you this. I grabbed my phone because I can read it in the dark, and I would open it up to a Bible verse. I started reading Psalm 23. I've known Psalm 23 since I was like four years old. Guess what? I would say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He shall." And I would say the whole thing, and then I would still be awake, and I would say the whole thing. One night I said that psalm about 50 times and guess what then I finally went to sleep because the word of God promises me that I can have sweet sleep that's a promise that's found every single promise in this Bible is a promise that's come from the covenant we have an unbreakable covenant Jesus came he gave us the words of the covenant his promise is found in his book he gave us the blessings he did also tell us what would happen. He gave us, he gave us salvation. He pardoned us. He justified us. He made us just as if we never sinned, but sometimes we walk underneath it like we still are bound. 
He gave us assurances. He gave us sanctification. He gave us sonship. He gave us the promise of one day glorification when we are reunited with him. The words of the covenant are also, like I said, found in this book, the teachings of Jesus. Every promise is what? Yes and does it say some of the promises of God are yes and amen? Does it say the promises I choose to believe are yes and amen? It says that the promises of God are yes and amen. That means that every single one of them is yes and amen for me and yes and amen for you. That means that anything that's less than the promises that he's given us, we have to say that is not part of my covenant right as a believer. How many things do we, do we hold on to? How many things do we walk with and we say, well, I'm just going to handle this. You know, I think I might have told you this, but I don't remember if I told you all. I'll tell you again. I was having problems with one of my feet. I was to the point I would wear, people go, you need to wear tennis shoes. I was. I was wearing the cushiest, nicest tennis shoes with a big padding thing in, and I would stand, and I would have a pain that would shoot up through the ball of my foot, and I would get where I couldn't walk, and I went, and, and Tony was, he gave me a massage, and he took my foot. He said, you have this stuff trying to grow in your feet. And so I would say, okay, well, I'm just going to work it out. I make Luca give me a bunch of foot rubs. I'd be like, Luca, come rub mommy's feet. I'll give you $5. And you know, like rub my feet when I would feel it. And I would get to this place that when I would stand for a long period of time, I would walk for a long period of time. I would be limping because my foot would hurt so bad. Then pastor Chris, he said, Hey, that's not part of the blessing. I was living with it. Because I didn't fully have a revelation or recognize that that is not part of my blessing. Guess what? That junk tries to come back in my feet all the time. And I laugh and say, that's not part of my blessing. You can try all day long. I don't care if I'm, I'm going to walk. If I'm not, not going to limp, I'm going to pick my foot up and slam it down a little harder. And guess what? It goes away every single time because the word of God works every time. I didn't have a revelation of the blessing, so I short-circuited the blessing. I didn't have a relation. I didn't have a revelation. I have taught the covenant class in the Bible school, and I forgot about my covenant rights, but no more. And if I do forget, then I just ask God, remind me. Send someone to remind me, because I do not want to live another day of my life beneath what he called me to be. I don't want to live another day of my life less than in any area of my life, in my health, in my finances, in my family, in my kids. Oh, man, I'm raising teenagers. Lord, help me. I got almost two of them. And some days they make me want to pull my hair out. I'm not going to lie. But guess what? I started going, you know what? I don't have to cry. I have a covenant right that my children's children will serve God. And my ch not that they won't. They're all serving God. But, man, they wear me out sometimes. How about yours? But you want to know what? I don't have to get worn out because I have a covenant right. I just need to pray and ask God to give me the wisdom how to deal with my kids. That's not part of my covenant. That's not part of my blessing. Oh, are you guys so hooked on covenant and blessing? Yes, I am. And I pray that I never go back because I don't want to be less than. How many of you say, yes, I want to live less than right now? I want to live less than what God created me. It's okay. I'm just going to live an okay kind of life. God said he came to give us an abundant life. My friend Hosanna Poetry wrote this amazing book called Super Added because if you read it in the Message Bible, I believe, it says that he came to give us a super added life. We have a right. you got to stand up to those situations that don't line up with your covenant rights as a believer and say, I choose today that that is not part of my covenant, that's not part of my blessing, and I reject it. You might have to reject it all day, every day. How long do I have to reject it? I have zero idea. But I know that if you keep rejecting it, it'll work. He promises that his spirit would be poured out on all. He promised us healing. He promised us miracles. He promised us deliverance. 
He promised us eternal life. There were curses that came along. The Jewish nation for rejecting Christ. There was wicked nations who rejected Christ. And we know that one day there will be an eternal judgment at the great white throne someday. As the book of Revelation spells out for us. That you will see. But there are terms to this covenant. See, like I said, God doesn't just come and go, here, here's blessing covenant. Just take it. No, God says there's terms and conditions. Okay, now you're going to say, but I thought it wasn't by works. It was by faith. It is by faith. But you have to believe in the covenant, first of all, because the terms and conditions are really not that difficult. The terms are this, repentance, faith, and obedience. There's your three terms to your covenant with God. Repentance, that doesn't mean just once when you ask Jesus in your heart. That means when you know that you're wrong, repent. I recently was really wrong about something. I was living in my emotions rather than living in my spirit where I needed to. I was getting all twisted up about something. And I was like, wait, I'm not supposed to be like that. I'm going to repent about that. Because, God, I'm not trusting you right now. you got to repent then you have faith, then you have obedience. How do you know if you're in faith? Simple. Are you obeying? Because if you're in faith, then you're going to have action that corresponds with it. It's, It's so easy. We make it so hard. So we have this great covenant that God made with us, and the terms for it are simple. Repent, have faith and believe in it, and then obey. Obey what? I don't know, whatever he tells you to do. There's some things that are very clearly spelled out in the word, and there are other things that are spoken to you in the midnight hour. I love it. My husband, I'm going to tell on him for a minute in a good way. He's been like, he's been searching, going, what things, God, are you trying to work out in me? He came to me and told me something the other day. He said, oh, this is the next thing I got to work on. He's been systematically knocking him off his list. Why? Because one day he went before God and said, created me a clean heart, God. What is, what's in me that I need to change and adjust in order to do what you've called me to do to the greatest capacity? And guess what? He's been marking it off the list. Is he perfect every day? No, he is not. But he is trying and he repents and he gets right back on it. He came and told me another one today. I was getting a little frustrated this morning. He called me and he goes, ah. And he told me, he goes, remember that scripture? You got to work on that one. I said, you're right, I do. I, what am I going to say? No, you're wrong. I mean, it's the truth. It's the word of God. So basically, who do you love? You love God, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. You're giving, prayer, do all that, forgiveness, but really it's all summed up in love. That's the number one condition because if you love God and you love others as yourself, then you will end up fulfilling the terms of the covenant. You love God. Well, I do love God. Oh, really? Because what does it say? I can tell you if you love me by if you obey me or not. But I do love you, Jesus. He goes, yeah, I know you do. You love me as much as you know. But now I'm going to give you a greater level of love to go to. And then there's this oath, an unchangeable priesthood. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the high priest, yesterday, today, and forevermore. And there had to be blood too, right? We got to have words. We got to have blood. Well, that's a no-brainer. We know what the blood in our covenant was, right? Go read Hebrews chapter 9. You can just read the whole chapter. Jesus' body was beaten beyond recognition for our physical and emotional healing, but it's now resurrected and glorified. Hebrews 10 says his blood was shed for our spiritual healing, 
And atoning for our sins was deposited at the throne of God, not for a covering of our sins to blot them out completely. See, all those other covenants, there was one significant difference. It was to cover sin. And Jesus' new covenant was to remove it. No other covenant removed sin. All it did was when they would cut the covenant is it would cover the sin for a period of time. But Jesus' blood, what does it say? It's shed and it's on that mercy seat crying out every single time. I love how Pastor Chris says it, that the blood of Jesus is constantly crying out for you and for me. Irrevocable, endless, timeless, generation, generation, generation. His blood is going to be keep on going for my children's 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 until he returns. And yours. Then we have to have that mediator, which we know. Jesus, isn't that cool that Jesus was the sacrifice and the mediator all at the same time? He mediated his own sacrifice. He's his mediator. Why? Because it says he's our high priest. He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Then you got to have that seal. So we have the words that are spoken, we have the blood that was shed, and we have the seal, which we said already is the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. We're going to read 13 and 14. It says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. If you are not filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm, we're going to get you filled tonight. Why? Because that's the constant reminder, the constant seal, the constant thing. You can just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost anytime, anywhere. You don't know what to pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. I pray in the Holy Ghost. I don't pray enough in the Holy Ghost. I'm convicted. I'm convicted right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to up my prayer life. Why? Because you need him. I was singing today. I was singing, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. But you want to know what? I need to put legs in action to that. I need to be praying in the Holy Ghost more. You need to be praying in the Holy Ghost more. Why? Because it's constant. It's a reminder when something's not going the way you think it needs to go, be like, okay, God, I'm just going to flip the switch. Thank you. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. The Holy Spirit seals my covenant with you. And that is my constant reminder. He, he'll give you the peace you need. He'll go, you'll go take that time in his presence. But the thing is this, you got to receive it. There's one way to receive all of this. One way, by faith. You can say, man, I know we just had a big, long lesson tonight, Bible lesson about covenant. I don't know if I believe it. You don't have to, just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not true. I'm not telling, ask Mr. Derek, did I tell him anything that was wrong? I told him it was right, according to the word of God, right? Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Derek. Like I said, he's a Bible scholar. He studies that, he studied the Greek, the Hebrew, probably knows all the languages. Hebrew anyway. But you want to know what? That's why I asked him. Did I tell you anything? I didn't tell you, did I tell you what I thought? Did I tell you what the word of God said? So you can say, I don't choose to believe that. That's fine. You don't have to believe it, but it's true. I mean, I don't have to believe it, but don't make it not true. Go to Hebrews chapter 4 for me, please. I love this verse. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, 
Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You cannot have the benefits of the covenant unless you choose to believe that, you, that they're yours. How many people are walking around today in covenant with God? God, I mean, does this not blow your mind? He sent his son who shed his blood to be the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be in covenant with him. And we don't even access half the benefits that come along with it. Why? Well, there's only one reason the word preached did not profit them because it was not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we who have believed do enter into that rest as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, thou shalt not enter in my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, God made a covenant with us from the foundation of the world before the world was formed. He created a covenant with us. He created a plan for us. He did all of this so that those blessings that are on our life can manifest in our life so that we can see the benefits. And all we have to do is say, I'm going to choose to believe. I don't understand how. I don't understand why. I don't know. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what anyone says. I'm going to choose to believe. I'm going to stand and believe. I believe. Because why? If you don't have that, then they're not going to benefit you. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through my whole life and realize there was a whole heck of a lot more things that I could have been walking in that I chose to disregard and walk away from because I chose not to believe them. That's when you can have that prosperity. That's when you can lay your head on the pillow. That's when you can say, yeah, the doctor said that. I don't really care. Oh, the bank said that. Oh, well, figure it out, God. I have rest. I enter into rest. I have a covenant with you. I want that to become, I have an assignment for you because how many of you know teachers don't leave you alone without homework? I want you every day this week that everything that comes up that tweaks you a little bit, Maybe it's with money. Maybe it's with a job. Maybe it's with the health. Maybe it's with a family member. Whatever it is, I want you to back up and consciously have your heart teach your mouth what to say this week. Have your heart teach your mouth what to say. I have a covenant with God that is not part of my covenant right. My covenant is blessing. How many of you say you're going to do that? You're going to write it down. You got your homework assignment. Every single thing. Now, some of you, you know, you're married. You're going to be telling your spouse, oh, that's, you're not doing your homework. I'm going to tell Pastor Liz. Now, the rest of you, I'll just ask you. We got to start believing this stuff, guys. How we can, you, we can, this group right here, we can turn, change this entire world. We can set this world on fire, but we have to start believing what the word of God says. And I can't, I, 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 there's so many people who do not believe the word of God. They can say they believe the word of God, but they don't. It's not exhibited in their actions, their words, their thoughts, and I'm not knocking anybody. I just look and go, God bless you. I, I said this, but here's the thing. Why is God, I said this the last time I preached on Wednesday night. I said, why is God teach, giving us this stuff right now? Because there's a responsibility that comes with hearing. And we have to choose to say, no, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna operate in this blessing. We're going to be the people that, that have the blessing of God in our life. I told you this last time I thought it was so cool that one Sunday morning, Miss Lori didn't make any sense. The Holy Spirit said, you need to go to the car dealer now, and here's what you need to say. And she got there, and they already had it laid out already, and it was something that didn't make sense. But she was obedient. It seems she needed a car. The Holy Spirit, she was going to stay in church. 
for the second service. And the Holy Spirit said, go now. Ah, she left church. She already been to first service. Don't worry about it. Plus, she'd been up with Jesus since 3 a.m. She's good. Or maybe two. Maybe one. I don't know. Miss Flora's up at all hours. She's with Miss Kathy. They're up at all hours of the night. But you want to know what? She was obedient to something that didn't even make. I'm not just talking about the things that seem, these right? I'm not talking about, oh, man, we got to believe God for a miracle. I'm talking about God is concerned with the little things that concern you. He's concerned with everything that concerns you. A more abundant, super added life is not just these big things. Okay, uh, I'm going to do what he says when it comes to my healing. Awesome. Do what he says when it comes to buying somebody lunch. I'm not going to embarrass them. Somebody bought me lunch the other day, and it made my whole day. It turned my whole day around because somebody from this church literally was in front of me in a drive-thru, and they said, your order has been taken care of, and that made my whole day. I didn't even know it was them at first. I got a big smile on my face. I said, ooh, and it took me out of what I was thinking. I said, God, you're so good. I began to glorify God. You're so good. And then I said, thank you so much. I told him, I was like, you made my whole day. Why? Because somebody bought my lunch? Yes. How many of you know God might tell you to buy someone's lunch? Maybe they need to know that someone's thinking about them. See, God's concerned about the little things. He's concerned with what you're concerned about. He's concerned with the big things. He's concerned with the little things. He's concerned with all the things. He's concerned about you. You can play. So how many of you say you do that? Are you ready this week to become people of the word, people of our word and people of the word? Every time, every time I want you to hear my voice going, that's not part of your covenant blessing. That's not part of your covenant right. That's not part of the covenant. That's not part of the covenant. That's not part of the covenant. Go look it all up. Oh, man, I have a skin rash. Hey, guess what? That's part of the curse, not part of the blessing. It can't stay on my body. Oh, man, I have a headache. That's not part of the curse. That's part of the curse. That's not part of the blessing. That can't be in my body. I have lack in an area. That's part of, definitely part of the curse. That's not part of the blessing. That cannot be in my life. It cannot stay in my life. God, show me how to drive that out of my life. What do I have to do to drive it out of my life? I already told you during the offering, I, there was some stuff I wanted to see. And God said, hey, we got to take care of this. And I said, okay, well, here's how we're going to do it. He gave us the plan. And then he gave us the means to fulfill the plan. Why? Because he's just that good. He's just looking for you to step out and say, yep, that's me. I choose right now. I don't ever want to walk out of this blessing another day of my life. Will I? Probably. Yeah. I probably walk out of it a lot of times. Just to be honest. I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I'm definitely not Jesus. Guess what? So will you. You're going to walk out of it. But all you have to do is go, ooh, I just stepped out of it. Now i got to step right back in it. See, what did I tell you? The covenant is un breakable, unchangeable. I stepped out, but I can step right back in because it doesn't change. God is so cool. Man, I'm, I just, I, I can't even believe God. Can you? Come on, just stand up on your feet. How many just love him? You should love him after that. I mean, if you already loved him, you should love him more. If you didn't love him, you better love him for that. He loves you no matter what. Just close your eyes and bow your head. If there's anyone in here tonight, I want you to close your eyes because I don't want to embarrass anyone. If there's anyone in here tonight, first and foremost, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never entered into that covenant with him, just wave your hand at me right now. Just wave your hand at me right now, okay? And we'll, 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 that's good. We're all believers in here. But if there is anyone in this place tonight and you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, that is the seal of your covenant. That is the, the, that is, the Holy Spirit is just as much a part of God as God the Father and as Jesus hanging up on the cross. And if you say that's me tonight, I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. I can't, can you, how, how do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? I don't know, can you pray in tongues? 
If that's you, can you just raise your hand? Nobody's going to embarrass you, but raise your hand and say, that's me tonight, because we're going to get you filled with the Holy Spirit right now. Just wave your hand at me and say, I want to be filled with, maybe you say, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but, but I, I, I don't know. Miss Kathy, can you come here for a second? Miss Kathy? Yeah, keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised. If that's you tonight, anybody, turn to your neighbor and say, can you pray in the Holy Ghost? Just ask your neighbor, say, can you pray in the Holy Ghost? Just ask him. Just ask him, can you pray in the Holy Ghost? And why aren't you doing it more? Come on, Miss Kathy, can you, can you lay hands on her? Come on, this is going to be the greatest day of your life. Acts chapter 19, we're going to do this. If you're watching by the webcast and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to give you the, okay, good, Miss Linda, you got her. Awesome. Acts 19, Acts 19, I'm going to read it to you. This is the, the best and easiest way. This is not going to take all day. It's not going to take about two seconds. Acts chapter 19, if you're watching right there, if you are watching by webcast and you're on this webcast right now and you say, I do not know how to pray in the Holy Spirit, but I want to, you can do this right where you're at. Guess what? As long as you are a believer, you can pray in the Holy Ghost. You can have the Holy Ghost fill you. You're going to lay hands on yourself or get somebody else to lay hands on you wherever you're at. If not, you're a believer, so lay hands on yourself. I believe it'll work. Okay? Acts chapter 19, it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came and found certain disciples. And he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we don't even, we have not even so much of heard there is a Holy Ghost. And he asked them who they were baptized with and they went. And it says this in verse 6, when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Who laid hands on them? Paul. Paul laid hands on who? On them. But then it says, if you can put that up there so they can see it, verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon him, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So what's going to happen right now? I got some sanctified ladies right now. And if, you're, if you say, if you, it's not too late. You say, I want to get in on this. Just wave your hand. I got some guys who can do it too. What's going to happen right now? Everybody else close your eyes because it's not about you. Pray in the Holy Ghost. If you're already filled with the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost right now. They're going to lay their hands upon you. We're going to pray right now, and the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. Then you're going to open your mouth and begin to pray. God, I thank you right now that the Holy Spirit is coming upon these people right now. God, I thank you. Now all I want you to do is open your mouth and begin to pray. Just open your mouth and just let the tongues flow. Just boom, come on, come on. Begin. There you go. You got it already. You got it. Your tongues are loosed right now. You're, you're going to go to a whole new level. You're going to a whole new level. See, you were already thought you were on fire. The fire that's in you now is going to come on you now, and what's on you is going to come in you and it's going to there you go it's going to be like fire in your bones your household isn't even going to know what to do your job's not even going to know what to do right now it's going to burn on the inside of you God's called you oh you need to stay close to Miss Kathy Miss Kathy get her get her and you need to get with her you're going to pray and you're going to pray and you're going to see the things that that you haven't been able to see change are going to change as you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit you keep praying right now come on pray in the Holy Ghost you say oh we're going over tonight well that's okay because we're getting people filled with the Holy Spirit and I'll stay all night for that. If you got to leave, you can leave. But right now, just open up your mouth right now. Open up your mouth right now and just begin to pray. Come on, you just You got it. And you stay close to Miss Flory. Miss Flory going to pray with you. She's going to be driving you in the car and she's going to say, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. And right now, Father, I thank you right now for 
the gift that's being stirred up in her right now. God, I thank you right now that we do not care what the doctors say. We believe the report of the Lord. God, I thank you right now for healing, complete and utter and total healing right now. You just keep praying in the Holy Ghost. You just keep praying in the Holy Ghost. You're going to get that peace that passes all understanding. The things that you could not figure out, the things that you tried to figure out and you could not figure out, they're going to become clear. He's going to, he's making, he brought you here for a reason. He brought you here. You thought it was for one reason. It's for another reason. You keep on, keep praying, keep praying, stir it up, stir it up. Boom, but see that, that, that turmoil tries to come and steal your peace. The next time it comes, you open up your mouth and you pray in the Holy Ghost. Do not utter natural words. Your kids, you're going to look at them and you're just going to say, go home and lay hands on them and get them filled too. Miss Florio, get them all filled up. You get them all filled with the Holy Spirit and you say, our house is going to be a house that's filled with the Holy Spirit and power right now. Lord, I thank you right now for anyone watching by webcast. God, I thank you right now. Come on, just open up your mouth and begin to pray and begin to intercede. There's intercession that's falling on this church and on these people, God. Right now, God, seal us. Seal us right now with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you right now for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that we're obedient, God, even when it doesn't make sense. We're committed, God. We're all in. We're all in. We're all in. As for me and my house, we're all in. And this is my house. Mine and Pastor Chris, but it's my house. We're all in. We're committed to the covenant. We're committed to fulfilling it. We're committed to obedience to your word, God. And I thank you right now, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, we invite you to visit us today at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. And as always, welcome home.